Welcome back to another impact tonight of Impact Educate Week. This is episode 91. I'm your host, Heidi Green, for Isaiah Jerome III. Tonight's panel is our buddy Thornton, Dr. Francis Ebonia, and Dr. Kristen Guillory. Dr. Francis Ebonia, please say hello to the people. Hello, everyone. Happy to be here again to share some great advice with uh, Isaiah. Thank you for bringing us on board. Absolutely. And buddy, the positive social change agent pro, Thornton, please say hello to the people. Good evening uh, and welcome to uh, my esteemed panel mates and it is always an honor to be here and I am just blessed by your invitation, Isaiah. Absolutely. And we got finally Dr. Kristen Gillery. Please say hello to the people. Hello, hello. Happy to be here. Thank you for having me and looking forward to the chat tonight. Awesome, awesome. Well, tonight's topic is one that needs to be looked at, and that is, is school bullying and resiliency linked to academic achievement? Education is healthy for the soul. However, helping students find support systems are vital for their souls and adolescent development. So we are dealt with teaching the whole child. This is why anti-bullying techniques are so important. Not only does bullying at school affect students' emotional and social lives, but it also directly affects their schoolwork and engagement in the classroom, suggests the U.S. study. Researchers found that students who faced bullying for much of their time in school had the most significant risk of low achievement and engagement. Furthermore, Kids who were victimized only in earlier use, self-esteem, school performance, how much they liked school after bullying. Nationally, there have been high-profile suicides in school districts trying to implement bully prevention programs. Moving forward, teachers, parents, school administrators, and any and everyone who knows a school-aged kid should understand that there are side effects to victims of bullying. Tonight we will have a discussion that could save, that will save some child's very life. I want to pull first from Buddy Thornton, the Positive Social Change Agent Pro. I think we had to pull you back. Um, to this discussion, not only because you are, you have been used in education to awaken the minds of young people, but you also deal with your Choice Dynamics program as it relates to uh, helping children gain more uh, confidence, self-esteem. And so, buddy, please tell this audience a little bit about what you're doing right now, Karen. Uh, thank you for the prompt, Isaiah. Uh, I just completed my first book, uh, contemporary society through the lens of applied ethics. And a large part of that is dealing with human behavior and how it affects families, especially. The book was really written to help communities grow in an environment where ethics and morals both have been challenged. And to that end, I've developed several programs, my four pillars of life and my choice dynamics program, which you are very aware of and that hopefully will to touch it at some future point. But at the end of the day, my entire focus is on saving 
and projecting lives for the children in our world because they are our future. We are the present, but they are certainly the future. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, sometimes I'll pull a book out, especially after I hear you speak, just to, to help me uh, pull together my thoughts. And I, I want to go back to a book that I've used before, and that's The Greatest Salesman in the World. I, I've used this book uh, when I'm battling uh, different uh, parts of mental fatigue. And so let me just read an excerpt from this book. Uh, the scroll marked, I today, I begin a new life. Today I begin a new life. Today I shed my old skin, which had too long suffered the bruises of failure and the wounds of mediocrity. Today I am born anew and my birthplace is a vineyard where there is fruit for all. Today I will pluck grapes of wisdom from the tallest and fullest vines in the vineyard. For these were planted by the wisest of my profession who have come before me generations upon generations. Today I savor the taste of grapes from these vines and barely I will swallow the seed of success buried in each and new life will sprout within me. Buddy, let me ask you a question I want to ask you. And that question is, how is school bullying linked to poor academic achievement? Well, it's actually a very direct question, but it actually links to our ancient past. You know, pre-human history uh, has always had humans fighting for a, a eternal pecking order. Uh, you've always, until we started developing social order and societies, city-states, uh, across many millennia, uh, it was might is right, the, it's called sophistry, whoever could g gain power, hold on to power, and basically force everyone else to comply, uh, was whoever, that, they became the leader. And so that has manifested in the contemporary world as uh, bullying. And the reason it's, it does that, and especially in the adolescent world, is because they still, they haven't learned quite yet how to hold on to social norms and proper etiquette and proper behavior. So neurologically, children who are bullied, they revert back to the prehistory. They revert back to fight, flight, or freeze mode of behavior. It's connected to their amygdala, which is basically the savage pre-brain that existed far before our neural cortex started to develop. They really don't have a choice. I mean, this is wired. It's hardwired. They're going to automatically go. They're either going to fight when they think they can win. They're going to fly, leave, run as hard as they can when they think they can get away. And when they don't believe they can do either, they're going to freeze and just take whatever punishment they have to take. And that's what's bullying. And that's why, what makes bullying so pervasive. This is a strong fear response. Coping with intense fear blocks any and every attempt to regain control or, or even attempt to use their higher brain functions. They don't have the ability to cope. They don't have the tools to cope. They haven't learned how to cope. And when they are frozen in place, when their mind is anchored on, do I, can I run away, can I, do I need to fight, or do I need to just stay here and take this, the last thing they're going to do is think about school. So yes, of course, it leads to poor performance, but that, that's across all domains, not just school. It happens at home where they're, if they're bullied or abused, but definitely uh, in the school environment, it is a problem we have to address. But, you know, luckily, you know, this is modernity. We 
we've left the savagery behind, or at least most of us have. Unfortunately, bullies still exist, but you know, I'm going to leave it to the other people on the panel to address many of the things that could happen in the schools, but I thought I would touch on some of the coping mechanisms that can offset bullying. And you, you, when you gave your entry speech, you touched on it. We have to teach what bullying is to everyone. We have to reach out to the parents. We have to reach out to the community. We have to teach the students themselves. We have to make sure teachers and staff have in-services, and we have to touch all other stakeholders, and they have to have a firm grasp of what any concept of bullying is. And if you want to stop bullying, you have to make it a zero-sum game. You make the cost of engaging in bullying absolutely too expensive for the bully. You cannot let them believe that they're going to have a return on the invested time and energy to be a bully, and you can do that. And we also can't accept behavioral bystander ambivalence. We've got to make sure that bystanders step up, because if you're a bystander today, you're going to become a bullied victim tomorrow. We can't accept teachers, parents, community leaders, anybody saying kids will be kids, because you know what? They don't have to do that. That's in the past. Let's leave it in the past. Kids can be kids, but they can also understand that they don't have to be bullies. There's a better way. And we should, again, do not accept, well, that's the way it's always been. There's been always been a pecking order. There's always been bullies, and there's always been victims. And, uh, you know, if you're one of the tough guys in the school or one of the tough girls, if your clique is the dominant clique, you're going to be able to demand respect, and you're, when you don't get it, you're going to be able to exact revenge. Well, that's not the world we live in. Bullying is cowardly behavior that cannot stand the light of day. We have to create and enforce a no bystander rule and build a community that stamps out bullying across the board. We don't have to stand for it. My question is, why hasn't this been done yesterday? Wow. When you spoke, what I heard was universal anti-bullying strategies and techniques. You know, it's, it's time for transparency time. It's time for transparency time, and this is a perfect time. I want to pull from Kendrick Bullard. Kendrick Bullard is a former Super Bowl NFL champion. And, sir, I want you to be transparent with us on this show and tell us, give us a story uh, about what you experienced in the NFL as it relates to bullying. Give us a quick story, sir, of what you experienced in the NFL as it relates to bullying. Oh, well, in the NFL, you know, obviously man to man, and I don't think it's the right thing to do. I don't think competition is the right thing to do. So dial that down to bullying probably would be the best thing for me to say. I think one of the things that I've been doing is to begin to respect who I am as an individual, and that pushes away the but the other piece is we have to be able to embrace people more so than their positions. In the NFL, I mean, life was easy. We got paid to do everything that we wanted to do, and, and, and we had fun doing it. There were guys that had what they called CTE, which were basically concussions. And there were often times where guys would get out of hand. But we kept each other in check. But 
there was probably a, as three teams, there was probably one vote out of three teams that I played for in the NFL. There was definitely one episode where I was bullied. And it was the guy, the guy was going through some issues and we just had to help him through it. If I had that choice, I would have said it done some things different instead of just cutting him off when I did get bullied. And I can tell you what team it is, but the guy is a, uh, uh, active coach, still a good friend of mine, but he, he just kind of learned the hard way. And he did. He suffered a lot of concussions over the years. But the thing about the bullying part of it comes when we embrace our humanity in a positive way. The bully goes. The bullying goes away when we embrace our humanity in a positive way. Now, when I take that, now you asked me a couple of stories. I want to tie it together. You know, while I was in college, and while I was in. Uh, uh, while I was in college and uh, especially while I was in high school, there were more bullying taking place for me and to me and through me uh, when I was in high school and college. Now, on the football team, and the reason why that took place probably for me is that kids are young. We shouldn't give them We should expect more and show them more and compassion and and love and empathy, but we can coach them out of being bullies. Now, I could have been the bully, but I was always the guy that would embrace the, the person that they were bullying. And that's how I was able to get through it, looking back at my life. Uh, I wish I would have done the same thing when I was in the NFL, but those guys were a lot more intuitive to taking care of each other. Now, uh, the bullying side of it comes from all of us being able to embrace, not just the bullying goes away when we embrace our character. Embrace character, embrace your moral, and definitely embrace the, uh, uh, the spiritual side of who we are and add things to the value of your soul and your heart and your head instead of taking it away. But everybody grows up different. Everybody has a different path. Now, I will tell you, since you brought up my career structure, I'm going to tell you that I'm going to say that uh, in the end, uh, I played grand track in college, and I qualified for the trial, and I did some other amazing. I had some amazing times running both the quarter, the quarter mile and the uh, – 200, and I did qualify for the the tri the Olympic trials while I was in the um, while I was in college. Not once did anybody bully me because I was able to run my own race. And here's the thing: once we understand what that race is, if you turn left or right, whatever race you're running, whether it's the let's talk about the race of life, whatever race you're running in the race of life. If you turn left or right in competition with yourself, you slow yourself down. If you look next to somebody, all you're doing is looking. You're not going to win your race. And you think the competition is against somebody else, but you're always running against yourself. That's my life lesson on the track side. <laughs>
and football side. Powerful. You know, I, I'm really feeling, for some reason, Dr. Kristen Guillory, can you walk us down memory lane and be transparent and share a story, a personal story about bullying? So sure. So I, as I was reflecting on that, I actually don't really have a personal story of bullying from from my youth. I mean, I have a couple of stories, kind of one time where someone maybe said something mean to me, but the tradi- I guess bullying, I don't, I don't really have one. I have one when I was in my early 20s, but I know we're talking about youth, so I'm happy to share that one. Let me know. But yeah, I, thankfully, as I, as I reflect, I um, did not really experience bullying as I was growing up. No, that's fine. That's fine. Wow. 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 You were blessed. What, what about you, Dr. Francis Ebonia? Can you share a personal story about bullying with you? Uh, hello. Yes, I definitely can do that. Um, Thank you very much. This is a very important topic and uh, uh, very important we, we discuss about it. Uh, first thing, my experience with bullying is uh, it kind of come in, in different way. And growing up as a kid, I happened to be one of the youngest in, 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 in my class when I was in the elementary school. And often, uh, most of most of my classmates were kind of very uh, senior in terms of age, and what I noticed in terms of uh, bullying was it often come up as a as a mechanism to defend themselves because they see that they were not enough. For instance, if uh, they wanted to get something which they do not qualify for. They, they want to kind of uh, 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 override you on that. So in most of the cases, it's just, it comes like intimidation. For instance, um, in those days, I, I normally sit almost within the first two days. <laughs> and I quite remember I had this, this uh, guy, we, we had to go back to school the same way. I, I grew up in a very small village and then back in Cameroon, that's in Central Africa, and we had to trek about uh, 30 minutes to school, 30 minutes back, there were no cars. And bullying was very evident because you have to go the same way back with, 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 with the people you come back from. So if they ask you to do something and you don't do it, they're gonna get you after, after school. And most often you cannot really speak up because uh, the incident is, happening not just within the school environment, you also know the, uh, 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 the, the repercussion that may happen along the way when your teachers are not there. So in most cases you see that we tend to just kind of deal with it as part of our lives and being intimidated. And now also having the experience to um, travel in other different countries, although by then, I was already at the university. I did not really uh, kind of experience that. But then I had a son who go to school, and most often, uh, when he comes back, we need to ask him question on, okay, what went on in school? What happened? And we we also recorded cases where it seems like, okay, uh, I did not really feel good because this person was here, and they did not want me to do this, 
and we recorded so many instances on the bus where there was uh, another elderly classmate bullying him and most often he's, he's going to come back crying. And most of we noticed that when he's coming back home, he was kind of sad. And when we asked him what, what's going on, he said, oh, I'm fine. And kind of having some previous experience on the inability to speak up because you, you're riding on the same bus or going the same way with the same person, and then you're afraid that if you speak up, it might even get worse. So you really want to handle it in a way that you don't see victimized. So uh, uh, many, many people that are victims of bullying, they, they don't really have that urge to speak up if we don't create an environment for them to do that. For instance, I want to take the case of my son. He was able to, well, the speaker, most often when he come back from school, I'm going to take him to a walk, and we just start talking about, and when he became too familiar with the fact that, oh, we're just discussing about so many stuff, then he started opening up. But before he would just say, oh, daddy, I'm fine, I can handle it, don't bother about that. So, in the same way, experience that happened with me, why I was in, in, in the elementary school, all of this was happening. I'm just going to do all what it takes me just to satisfy uh, those who I know they could help me just to make sure that I'm safe. But there was no environment for me to speak up. There was no opportunity for me to say, uh, to, to, to speak up and say, oh, this is what is going on. So uh, if I want to move ahead, kind of to situate it in, in, in what is going on, within the school system now and uh, just looking at how this, this, this kind of bullying can be uncovered because sometimes it's really hidden and sometimes uh, the victim kind of feel like, okay, I don't want to get anyone into trouble. I just want to see how I can play along with it. But it has a really big impact. Just imagine you're in an environment where you need to do something just because you want to stay safe, just because you don't want to get someone into trouble. So one of the stuff I, I, I understood by interacting with my son was this open dialogue, this open dialogue. And then looking at those who are, are kind of causing or are kind of the, the cause of the problem, I, I think looking at the school system, if we bring in more opportunities for uh, personal development where it could really empower them to make them feel that uh, being a bully doesn't really make them stand out. Instead, it takes away integrity from them. That kind of awareness is lacking, which is why they feel like, oh, I'm strong if I'm able to oppress someone else, which is really uh, uh, not, 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 not in, in a humanity way of living, as, as our previous uh, uh, speaker really shared that. So that's what I can contribute for now. If something comes up, I'm coming later to add more. Thank you. Wow, that was a lot. And thank you for those recommendations, Dr. Ibunia. That, that, that was solid. You talked about backlash. You talked about how sometimes children are, in most cases, are afraid to quote-unquote snitch. And I think that was very, very good. I'm gonna come back to you before I do that. Let me pull from Dr. Kristen Guillory. Uh, Dr. Guillory, please tell us honest, a little bit about you. And welcome, welcome, welcome. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you for having me. And I have, have enjoyed hearing everybody's stories and, and content. It's really 
fantastic. So I am from Dallas, Texas. I am a former professor of counseling and social work of about 12 years, a former therapist of four years. I currently am a um, speaker coach, a speaker, a business consultant, and the main thing that I strive to do is help my clients to walk in the fullness and freedom of who they are, which actually a lot of that work, I did not plan to do that in the realm of speaker coaching, but due to things from childhood, whether bullying or people telling someone that you're too much, you're too loud, you need to code switch. A lot of people I've had the privilege of supporting have hidden who they truly are. I actually started my career working with youth. So I've created about 30 youth programs, implemented them, was a youth minister, and all sorts of different things. And so my big thing in the work that I currently do is I'm just healing. Whatever that means to take the time to heal, not to suppress it, whether it's group therapy, other types of work to do there, and just support as needed. So I absolutely love everything that I do. And we love it as well. And that's why we had to invite you on this podcast. And we got to get you back on here as well. Dr. Gilly, let me ask you this question because I, we want to pull from you. We know you have a very strong and robust perspective about resiliency. So what are some positive ways resiliency can have on children that have been victimized by bullying? That's my question for you. Sure. So, and, and I'm going to take the question in a, in a slightly different direction, if if I may. And, and here's why. So resiliency, right, we know it means to bounce back. And are children resilient in a sense? Absolutely. But I do believe that we, we lean on resiliency a little too much when uh, youth need someone to listen to them, when youth need someone to actually acknowledge that they're in pain. So I've been there when working with, and a lot of people say, kids are bounce back, bounce back. kids are resilient. Yes, and they're hurt. Yes, and they don't have the ability to process because brains aren't fully developed. Yes, and they don't know how to put words to the certain emotions and so ways to get that out. So if we can remix it just a bit and add an and. So yes, kids can bounce back, but I'm bouncing back from what? Maybe I don't know what it is I went through and why I'm acting a certain way. A prime example, there was a friend of mine years ago, and his eight-year-old daughter was going through something pretty difficult due to the, the him going through a divorce. And the concept of kids are resilient. Oh, they'll be okay, but she wasn't. She wasn't able to communicate that I'm not okay, but her actions revealed that she wasn't okay. So that's why I say resiliency, yes, kids are able and they're not good all the time. Kids are, when people say, no, they won't remember, yes, they will. Yes, they will. Studies show that kids can remember things from two years old even and three years old. So with that, I believe that support and counseling and play therapy and all the things along with resiliency are the things that are needed, not just resiliency alone, because I I do think that's one of the reasons there are so many adults walking around not as good because of the notion of you'll be okay, you'll bounce back. This is what happened as opposed to let's talk about how you feel. Let's see if there's a healthy way to process how you are feeling. And it's okay to feel what you're feeling as opposed to saying, don't cry, right? Don't, especially for boys and young men, don't cry. No, you have the right. Let's talk about it. So I know I went in a bit of a different direction, but as you can probably tell, I am quite passionate about, about this topic specifically for you. And you sound great, and we're going to pull you back. Hold on, don't go anywhere. Because mm-hmm. 
you know, you, you mentioned about men being told, hey, you're not supposed to cry and we're not going to give you excuses and we're not going to give you uh, an opportunity to vent because really no one wants to hear you vent. But you're saying this factor, this technique actually erodes the emotions of uh, our, our young our young men and it makes them kind of callous. So, you know, as far as emotional health is concerned, they need support, they need counseling, they need that support system to help build them up so they can express themselves and communicate more effectively. Could you add a little bit more to that, Dr. Gilbert, because this is really, really getting good and I, I don't want to let you go yet. So please add some sure. more. Sure, sure, sure. And I can, I can, and obviously not a man and would never pretend to speak to that, but I can speak to the majority of the youth in my first program were boys. The majority out of my 30 youth, 20 were boys. My dissertation is actually on African-American males, school completion and dropout, those factors that contributed to, any, anywho. So what, what that does is in, in various societies and cultures, whether it's boys or girls, right? Girls are kind of told, you suck it up. You need to be okay, and that's harmful. And what happens is when we tell children and youth, you're not supposed to cry, that means you're weak, that means you're this, we're raising children to become broken adults. And not blaming anyone, no judgment. We, at times, adults do the best that they can do based on what they've been taught, but we've got to break some of these unhealthy habits. How many, how many, gentlemen, I'm sure even, oh, how many times have you been taught or were you even told that, you, nope, you better suck that up, you don't cry, which is why very often the only emotion a lot of youth and, and sometimes boys know is either happiness or anger right? But anger is very often a shield for the other emotions. You just don't have permission to display them. So that's what I'm saying, resiliency and permission to say, I'm not so good. I'm not so good right now. And that should be okay, but it often isn't for a lot, which is why we have kiddos who just don't know what to do with their emotions, who turn into adults who don't know what to do with their emotions or they do, but they may direct them in an unhealthy, unhealthy manner. That was so good. Oh, my goodness. Listen, that was therapeutic. <laughs> uh, let, let, me, let me go back to Dr. Francis Ebola. Dr. Francis, that was, you know, you, you just heard, we all heard Dr. Guillory and what she said and what she expressed. And for me, that, that hit home even for me. Uh, growing up as a young man and experiencing things that I experienced. Uh, but let me, let me ask you a question. That was so good, it kind of, that, that knocked me out. Uh, Dr. Bullion, what are some of the recommendations? I know you were talking about recommendations earlier, but what are some of the recommendations that school leadership can use to, to better facilitate what Dr. Guillory just said as it relates to those um, educational support methods and strategies, especially what uh, your men and, and and like I, I don't I don't want to just uh, get too far to be the path. Uh, this is not just about young men, but traditionally when we talk about toughening up and and you, you're not you're not supposed to cry, you're not supposed to whine. Typically, that's that finger has been pointed at our young men. And so, Doctor Ebony, what can you add uh, to what and recommend? Uh, to what Dr. Guillory just said. And I'm going to go to the other parents as well, but let's start with Dr. Ebunia. Dr. Ebunia, please tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're doing currently before you ask that question. 
All right, thank you very much, uh, Zaya. And uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a business coach and I also focus on uh, book writing for entrepreneurs, uh, where I where we have entrepreneurs being able to uh, kind of uh, reconsider what's their purpose and why on, on what they're doing and to understand why they're doing what they're doing and, and how that really benefits the people they're serving. So I really focus on how they can be able to write that out in order to bring more clarity uh, in a book that serves them out. So um, I'm going to go into the question about some recommendations and in, in kind of an addition now, the first thing I think, which is very important, is on creating awareness. Like, what are we doing now? We're trying to create awareness on the different dimensions that should be considered based on our own personal experience and what we went through based on experience on, on, on dealing with our kids. And I, I think that if uh, the, the, the school system could really uh, give more attention to, to help kids understand what are the different dimensions of bullying and how they can uh, resolve it without really feeling uh, intimidated with what is going on. And also being able to empower uh, not just the victim, but the, 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 the perpetrator, those who are causing it. Is, is, there, is there empowered in, in the aspect of self-development? the aspect of building them themselves to, to really understand uh, their own purpose of existence, to really understand um, what really brings them more integrity and how they can, they can really contribute to a society. They, they, they're going to see the need. Uh, they're going to see the need to think otherwise. The school system, um, well, from experience of, oh, I have, I have, uh, my son was going in grade four, and I've been closely following uh, what happened in school and uh, uh, the, the different lessons. There's, there's literally on self-development, literally done on self-development in terms of creating the kind of awareness that could protect them and the kind of awareness that could help them really deeply understand the different dimension of uh, what, 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 what is right in, in the dimension of bullying. Now, they, they, the school system do well to educate them on uh, uh, if, if something is going on, speak up. But as it was said, it's not just about speaking up. There's certain things that hinders them from speaking up. And, and that can only be un uncovered when an environment is created that enables them to feel comfortable to talk about the things they don't want to talk about. Now, there are certain things, uh, although I might have the freedom to speak up, but I don't have the capacity to speak up. So that capacity can come in, 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 in the dimension of we creating awareness program that empowers uh, uh, kids to be able to understand that it's okay to say you're not okay, and it's not being uh, weak to say that you cannot uh, resist the other opponent who might be stronger than you. And this can come in terms of uh, uh, capacity building programs, which could be, which could be like an uh, expert going into the school to talk about this, to have an open dialogue where we have all the parties and just openly discuss about this. 
and have student opinion, and by constantly discussing about this, uh, all what is happening, it, it creates awareness that is going to put more consciousness and, 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 and also help uh, the victim and those who cause it to, to, to be aware of some of the repercussions, to be aware of the need to deal with it. And the more we talk about it, the more we are going to eliminate it. Thank you very much. No, we thank you. You know, this topic is is not going to get finished in one podcast. I'm going to have to invite the fire panelists back on again. Uh, you, you, you've added so much value to this conversation and much more value to this podcast. We're out of time, but before we go, let's let's do some takeaways. Who wants to go first? I say I think I'll jump right in there. Um, I want to address what Dr. Gilroy said. Uh, number one, resilience is way overblown. And also the factor of men being expected to bury or hide their emotions. When I uh, address any group, it doesn't matter what it is, and I've done it on this podcast many times, I've expressed that relationships drive society. Relationships drive life. Without the appropriate ability to manage and manifest your emotions, you cannot have a full toolkit for maintaining relationships. Anyone who is told they have to hide their emotions, let's assume, because it's a nice topic, those uh, aforementioned bullies, because they're hiding their emotions and they're told that's what the, the expectation, it pigeonholes them into only one path forward and it's usually a path that has bad outcomes. People have to realize that experts like Dr. Gilroy, uh, people who come to me as clients, they are looking for answers, but the answers are not in what has happened before. The answers are in what is wrong with what we are doing and what is right. And what is right is let's understand what was wrong from the past. Hiding your emotions and not understanding how to deal with them appropriately is what leads to affects like bullying. And resilience, resilience is a result of trying to capture something that is ephemeral because we're still trying to hide our emotions. Hopefully that takeaway helps the other paneling. Oh, that was good. And, and before the other panel comes on, Dr. Gillery, will you come back to the podcast? Absolutely. I just put it this way. Compassion is my superpower because I've embraced who I am both physically, mentally, and socially, and especially spiritually. But what I've been able to understand is that the suicide rates and some of the other things, some of the other stats, uh, the negative stats that we had in the military during that time that we were there teaching all these different courses. We just have to come together and figure out exactly what our strengths are. Thank you, sir. Who's next? I'll go on and add on to, actually, I, I appreciate what was just shared with compassion, well, with compassion, but also talking about compassion along with, we're now, we figured out what hasn't worked and now we've got to figure out some other things. So the one that I want to leave with today is there is such power in listening to young people. And I don't mean listening, trying to 
have, you know, they say listen to seek to understand and, and not explain, but really listening. When I used to train teachers and counselors and, and, and all these types of things years ago, there would be a question that I would walk people through. So I would say, okay, so when you were younger, what time would you get up in the morning? All right, what time would you get to school? Great. And how much time did you have between classes to talk to friends and then how long was lunch and okay after school if you were in band or athletics you had to work what time are you getting home and we worked through all that and said on average kiddos are waking up sometimes at six in the morning and may not be getting home until 7 p.m 6 p.m and the question i i would pose is tell me when during that day did they have a moment where somebody was telling them what to do when in that day was there a moment where somebody wasn't telling them what to do, but someone was listening to them in a space of no judgment? So one of the things that I want to recommend to anyone who isn't, I'm a very proud aunt, so anyone who's a parent, an aunt, a mentor, an educator, a counselor, social worker, all the things, if you have a capacity and you work with youth in any way, my encouragement is to pause and give this beautiful young person an opportunity to share. Just share. How was your day? Asking clarifying questions to provide a safe space to be heard. There is such power in being heard. That was powerful. Uh, uh, thank you. Uh, my takeaway, it's going to be we we creating room for more uh, open and inclusive conversation where we can really never uh, all the parties to really speak up in, in a round table format at, uh, at, at saying not really want to question them, but creating a conducive environment where they can be able to share some of those uh, in-depth effect of what they go through and, and, and what it means to them. And this doesn't just happen with uh, uh, just a parent-child uh, conversation or a parent-teacher conversation because uh, those relationships most often enable, uh, do not really enable a straight conversation. For instance, if I'm talking to my kid, most often they want to keep some information because they want to protect themselves. They don't want to be vulnerable. So how can we create a conducive environment where all the parties involved can can see okay to be tough even when can see okay to speak up even when they feel vulnerable when they're speaking up. If we can be we can we can create that environment that will go much way to address this issue and to really open up on more avenues that we can uh, uh, look into to properly address it. Thank you. Listen, we thank you. We're out of time, but to recap, recreating awareness programs in our school environments, in our learning environments. This is another exciting night of the Impact Education Leadership. This is episode 91. Our panelists tonight were Dr. Francis Ibunga, Buddy Thornton, Public Social Change Agent Pro, Kendrick Bullard, and Dr. Kristen Guillory. Good night. <laughs>